Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the Umarpreneur live podcast. And actually, I don't know if I can really call this a live podcast in this episode because this is going to be a series of episodes uh, that I'm going to be recording privately with some of my favorite guests that have joined me on this podcast. The guests that have had so much experience and so much to say and really brought about topics that I thought would be interesting to bring up once more. And today I have with me none other, none other than brother Tafazal Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Welcome. Really honored to be back here again. The honor is definitely mine, brother. And um, I'm really excited because, you know, just like I was telling you before we were going to record this, I want these episodes to be a little bit different than the ones we actually hold live. They're going to be a little bit more raw, a little bit more real. I don't really have a prepared set of questions today for you guys. So I'm actually just going to talk about... Um, whatever it is that comes to mind. So I think that's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, it might go in interesting places. So um, please tune in and, and let's see what we end up, uh, where we end up going, inshallah. Uh, and I think uh, the best place to start for those of, uh, of our listeners who maybe don't know you or haven't listened to the previous episode, can you share with us a little bit of a brief on who you are and what you do, inshallah? Yeah, sure. Thank you again, Brother Abi. I mean, um... Uh, a background from uh, of myself. I mean, I'm grandfather of four. Alhamdulillah, I had a grand granddaughter actually a few weeks ago. Um, a father of five. Mashallah, married to my soulmate. Um, I'm healthy. You know, um, Alhamdulillah, everything's really, really great at the moment. Unfortunately, my wife had a, a COVID last week, um, and she's wow. coming through it right now. So really? the last last ten days were really tense because uh, she's in the US at the moment. I'm in the UK. Okay. And uh, yeah, she had to go to hospital a couple of times. So that was really, really? so yeah, it was really. Wow. Is she is she okay? Is she experiencing any symptoms or? No, alhamdulillah, she, she did have lots lots of symptoms. Yeah. And okay. she's kind of coming through slowly, slowly now. So, okay. alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. so yeah, that's, that's been kind of um, a, a test for me. I'd mm -hmm. say so, uh, a bit more of my background. I mean, I, I've done community development and youth work for 25 odd years. I've been a trainer, um, youth work trainer, community development and stuff. Uh, worked particularly uh, in the relationships field informally, actually, for many years, probably 10, 12 years. But I formalized the whole process about two years ago. So I've been kind of looking at, you know, um, yeah, relationships, uh, mm. Muslims, inshallah. Mashallah, mm, and I and I noticed that you've been gravitating towards that. The last time we talked, we talked uh, on this podcast. Uh, your main focus and and what I saw you uh, working on uh, primarily was really the development of of Muslim men in general and coaching Muslim men. Mm. Um, and now I can see that you're slowly taking that in the direction of helping prepare Muslims for relationships. So talk to me about that. Talk to me why you actually started gravitating towards that direction and why you felt it was important to mm. talk about that with your clients really good question actually so i i do believe the nucleus of society is the family itself and uh, yeah. everything starts with the family the family's good you know the society is going to inshallah be good as well and for me being a man being a muslim man you know i kind of know the journey that i've been through myself and the kind of work that i've had to do uh, the inner work and uh, that's taken some bravery, I think, you know, on my part, uh, I was very bold. I was a divorcee. So I had the stigma of being a Muslim, being a man and being a divorcee as well. And it was it was it was a, a compounding effect, I'd say, upon myself. And, uh, you know, I went through a, a bout of depression, I'll be honest with you. Mm. Um, and one of the reasons was that I didn't have any men to speak to, mm. you know, um, family are OK, but family have their own ways of dealing with things. And, you know, sometimes that can be um, very judgmental as well uh, in, in some cases. Uh, but when I came across a particular gentleman, he literally spent some time with me, 15 minutes, and that's all it took. And it was the first time I was able to really share my, um, I'd say, deep-seated uh, emotional trauma. Mm. You know? And that kind of was probably the beginnings of uh, my passion for working with Muslim men because I realized, actually, if that's a space I can hold for, if he can hold it for me, I can hold it for other men. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I've veered off into that direction of helping Muslim men to uh, look to themselves and to be emotionally very stable, be able to share, you know, their concerns, their hurdles, their anything they have in terms of worries as well. And, uh, you know, um, a, a lot of the work that I came across was that uh, Muslim men are have troubled relationships, marriages, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I'm finding that even that's the case where very tough 
we're very tough as 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 a as a gender um and not really uh, forthcoming in in the way we actually ask for help or seek help so whilst that's the case and and i still have myself available for men should they wish to receive my support in uh you know their their, their marriage i i kind of have pivoted in one way to to look at how do i now prevent men from going down the same way before they get married mm -hmm. so it's how do i prepare men um uh, to be whole to be emotionally intelligent to be wise to be strong to be stable in many different ways that when they actually get into a marriage that they are as whole as can be and that in and of itself is is is, is a field in itself and, and i have an acronym arc ark uh, the process in which I actually work with with, with men, uh, and it works with with married men as well, mm -hmm. but particularly with singles because there's a there's a huge need for it. And I'll share some more information if you like, you know, in that regard. Yeah, please go keep going. I'm I'm loving this. Sure, you know, so this um, swiping right and swiping left. Mm. <laughs> so it's it's somehow if you swipe right, and you you know you come across someone, uh, and in your eyes this person seems to be uh, okayish. It's almost like, you know, in a few seconds, you're able to, to, to determine that this person could be your future spouse. Mm -hmm. And it's not as easy as that. It's not it's not as simple as that. You know, this swiping culture has taken over left, right, left, right. And it becomes almost like everything's detached, like the, the, the feelings are detached. You know, you don't know the person it's, and, and you're making this um, judgment within a milliseconds, mm -hmm. you know. And, and the thing is that I, I think this culture has taken over. It's prevalent. And I think it's taken over whereby I'm finding myself that some young men are, have been looking for years. Mm. You know, I've been looking for years and they're still not happy. And some of it's down to do with their own limit, limitations, mm -hmm. uh, their own weaknesses in terms of their personal development. Expectations are too high, right? Uh, they're not fully developed in terms of their financial capacity, their emotional capacity, their intellectual capacity. Uh, I say they st still have that mummy, mummy's boy syndrome as well. Right, so they're not really being independent as such. Mm -hmm. For me, uh, the first thing and the A stands for accept. Accept your own flaws, accept your own weaknesses, accept where you need to do the work. Mm -hmm. You can't just walk in or jump into, you know, a relationship, a marriage, and expect things to kind of just be like, you know, like a, a, a wonderful experience to you when you have no idea of who you are first and foremost. So mm. it's really important and imperative that we really dig deep and really get to know who we are first. And this is not just something I've, I've come up with. This acronym is my own. And, and the reason I've come up with this is because it's exactly what I went through mm -hmm. post my divorce. So the first thing I had to do was um, accept some home truths, to be honest with you, my own uh, flaws, my own weaknesses, my own, um, uh, not only weaknesses, I think my own denial of those weaknesses as well. So we really have to get to a point within ourselves to accept the bitter pill that's just that, to, to swallow, you know, that I, you know, I'm not really great at communication. I'm not really get, great at holding my temper and, and so on and so forth. So the first thing was for me is to, to look within myself, to, to accept. Second, uh, the, um, R stands for raise. So raise your vibrational energy. I know we talk about this energy, you know, and it, it can mean a different thing for different people. But what it means is you now have to do the work. Mm. Do the work that needs to be done. Sometimes it's something you can do yourself. Sometimes it needs someone else. Mm. I'll, I'll personally tell you that I had a coach for almost nine months who helped me to look at my own weaknesses. So I discovered because um, uh, my parents went through a divorce when I was eight and I had to go to uh, Pakistan with my younger sisters and I was only eight and, you know, it was an experience in, in and of itself. But I didn't realize until I worked with this coach that I carried some childhood trauma from that age. Mm. So between the ages of eight and ten, I had a neglected child syndrome. What does that mean? How can you like how how do you how does that manifest in someone's life? Well, I I, I every every time, for example, someone said no, and it could have been, you know, you can't have this or you can't buy this car or this, it 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 almost felt like that child was being neglected or shoved to one side. Hmm. Cognitively, I'm not aware of this, 
but subconsciously my mind my subconscious mind has registered that experience all those years ago and the body never lies so those emotions those feelings would show up themselves not unless you're in this field not even unless you've experienced the work of of a coach or a therapist you don't know these things it's, it's not common knowledge as such so mm. i'd feel neglected for some of the smallest things but you know it, it could be that sometimes i threw a tantrum of sorts mm -hmm. you know not really knowing where this came from um even when i came back to the uk uh when i was uh 10 um, I remember my teenage years started, you know, I, I didn't have any friends. Um, my sister still stayed in Pakistan. Um, I had to go to a language school to learn English again. I had forgotten my English and uh, I was bullied at school. And I, I remember, you know, feeling very uh, withdrawn, you know. Mm -hmm. So my social circle was didn't even exist, mm -hmm. right? I didn't have my siblings with me. I had my father with me and... Uh, Allah bless his soul, you know, he, he had uh, his own ways of, of, of communication. So I felt totally neglected. So again, you know, between this neglect and withdrawn, uh, you know, states, I didn't know these, these were playing out in my relationships. And that's not only my marriage, but also my children and colleagues and such. So you need somebody to work with you, you know. So that's when I say that you have to raise your energy by doing the work and in with respect to to marriage if you want somebody up here right you have to do the work to get yourself up here as well if that's what you expect don't expect to get someone here when you're down here so i hear often that someone wants a, a queen right and and she's this and she's that and she has everything perfect she's a homemaker and she's going to be you know good with the in-laws and, and so on and so forth mm -hmm. but i'm weak I don't really have the capacity myself to be able to handle those things, you know, as a, as a man. I don't have the emotional intelligence to be able to deal with the, perhaps the, frequency, the, 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 the friction that comes up, you know, because of that. So we have to do the work to get to a level of what we expect. And the, the last one is, uh, okay, no, you have to get to know the person you're going to spend the, potentially the rest of your life with. Mm -hmm. And what I feel on that, Brother Abi, is that you know, uh, sometimes people let their emotions come into the mix first mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. they really get to know someone. So he, what, what happens then is once they get to know the person and they have emotions in the mix, when the red flags show up, mm -hmm. we tend to start making excuses for that person, mm -hmm. right? And, and what will happen is we will ignore those red flags and we will make excuses and they will come back to bite us. So we have to have a process whereby we really take the time we're ready now we know ourselves we've done the work and we know the types of questions to ask and i'll give you my own personal example and this was um uh, bef before i uh, mean uh, victoria my wife got married we spent four months we was in a, a long distance relationship mm -hmm. of four months and you know we had no physical contact so we only had this time to get to really know each other deeply and I mean, really deeply in terms of our likes, dislikes, aspirations, you know, um, you know, she did a, a check on me, I did a check on her and so on and so forth. It was, it was really, I think, very conducive uh, and it allowed us to really get to know the other person and make a very considered decision as well. And that's the most important thing is to make those decisions that are considered rather than being emotionally involved. And that's it. You, you, you've kind of uh, lost your way, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's so many things that you touched upon that I wanted to discuss, um, to be honest with you, and, and so many so many questions that I have based on what you shared with me. But I'm so glad that you shared these three things because I think they're so important. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into some of the points that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. You mentioned at one point, um, and this was a, along the way as you were talking about this concept of accept and raise and know. Mm -hmm. And I believe it wasn't during the accept and raise uh, pointers that you mentioned that right now, as men, we don't know how to productively conduct ourselves in a relationship, or we are not taught that, or how to actually approach relationship. Mm -hmm. And part of it really has to do with the fact that I believe as a society, men are expected to know how to be men intrinsically. We are raised and because of our gender, because of our private parts, we are men and that's it. 
I am a man. I, you know, I have the, clearly the machinery of a man and a male. And so this is who I am. Um, but when we really rewind and, and look at some of the older ways of raising children and uh, here in Canada, I live in Canada, we have a, we have a native people. Right, so we have a native people of the land. Of course, Canadians are set, are settlers here in Canada. So we are not the original people. There were Native Americans that lived here, or Native Indians, whatever whatever they call them, depending on they thought we were get, they thought they arrived in India. So they're like, oh, these are Indians, and they weren't actually anywhere near India. Right, uh, just goes to show like the cockiness of uh, <laughs> of the people there. But anyways, so the, you have these Native American tribes, and in these tribes, they usually have Number one is that the men are raised by the community, that there are a tribe of elders and that all men that are older than you have authority to raise you and discipline you and counsel you. And so it is seen that the community raises every child and that every child is a child of that community and of that tribe. It's not that just, oh, only my dad can tell me this. You can't tell me no. It's no. Every elder man has the right to counsel you and guide you. And throughout those tribes, there's a rite of passage. Right. At every point in time, there will be a certain rite of passage that every boy must go through to become a man. Now, the reason why I'm sharing this is because I found this concept very interesting. And I started wondering, is there something like this that we can find within our dean? And, and of course, that's a question that I'm going to ask you, but I started looking. And of course, when I think about these thoughts, when I think about these thoughts and I think about how the Prophet told us and counseled us to raise our children, he said that for the first seven years, play with them, then the next seven years, discipline them, and then the next seven years, befriend them, right? Okay. And I think one thing, and, I, and I'm only speaking from my personal experience, and I might be wrong, but I think I've noticed that with most of my generation today and most of the friends that I have is that our fathers knew how to provide and maybe some even didn't but and they felt like their role ended there mm. as long as they were providing as long as there was a home and there was food on the table they were fulfilling the role as a man mm. and unfortunately as children brought up in societies outside of our religion and outside of our culture where we are raised and we can clearly see that we are the other. We mm -hmm. can clearly feel it. Mm -hmm. We were, I believe, not necessarily given the right support system to deal with that environment mm -hmm. and to conducively produce, you know, men that understand themselves and are able to really achieve their highest potential. Mm -hmm. And looking back at this, looking back at this and, and looking forward, I really do believe that, you know, as being a man is something that we is learned. It is not something that you are, you're not born into it. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to be a man. You have to learn what does that even mean? What does that even mean when I deal with my spouse in, in relationships or when I deal with others, right? When I deal with my loved ones, what does that mean? Who am I and what does being a man actually entail? And I'm going to end this off here because I don't want to steal the mic from you, brother, but I'm just, I, you're the perfect person for me to open up about this. And I have so many feelings about this. And I think so many Muslim men have feelings similar to mine where I feel like I had to actively learn how to be a man growing up. And I had to look for those resources. And a lot of times those resources were non-Muslims because there aren't that many Muslim resources out there that taught you about manhood, that taught you about how to approach relationships and the dynamics between man and woman and you know, how to build self-confidence and how to you know, be a man that believes in himself and you know, believes in his potential and is able to bring his best self forward. And I find that unfortunate. I found that unfortunate that you know, that was the case. And it is no fault of my father's, you know, as well. He's very kind and very loving father. But I can't sit down with my father and talk. And, and I feel like I, I have trouble having a conversation of substance about something that I'm going through mm. because we've never had a relationship on that level. You know, it, it's I can't imagine that happening. And I don't know if I ever could a, could do that, you know. And so mm. 
I'm sharing that with you because I just feel like, you know, we're kind of like the, there's this, this, we do have fathers, but we're almost missing that, you know, that father figure in our lives, even though we do have physical fathers that have brought us into this world. What are your thoughts on everything that I'm sharing with you? I'm going to pause here because I can talk forever about this. <laughs> I, I hear you and I feel you as well. Mm. Definitely. Um, you know, our father's generation um, was a different generation and they were brought up on, in a different way as well. Mm -hmm. I think what they experienced was what they experienced. Some of it was quite tough, actually, their background. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I uh, noticed when I did some introspection in terms of why was I going through all these different things myself, and pretty much what you were saying, uh, you know, I, I feel you, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, the, the village does raise a child. It has to, right? It's a collective responsibility. We, we are part of a community, but it seems to be dysfunctional. I'll be really honest with you. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't dysfunctional in the time of the Prophet, because I remember reading about this and even somebody teaching this as well, that, you know, even in the, 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 the Shura gatherings, there used to be some children in there. And the purpose of that was so they could hear what they were speaking about and also, you know, garner the wisdom that was being shared as well. Mm. Right. So they had this place not only amongst the elders to learn, but also to feel important as well. And that's the most important thing because this sense of not only self-identity, but courage that, oh, my God, I'm sat with these elder people and I'm listening to something really important, the big decisions here. Wow. And they feel that, you know, importance as well. Mm. And that was a, a, a very natural, organic way of creating the, the, the next generation of leaders. Mm. Right. So that's one thing I, I, I believe that's, that's, that to some extent is missing right now. But coming back to your point where it comes to one-on-one -on -one and where fathers share or can't share, you know, um, you know, my my father's passed away and you know Allah bless his soul you know and the thing is that he, he wasn't ever able to show emotions hmm. you know and uh, I remember asking a friend of mine well a, a brother's uh, friend um, about his father and he cried because you know he'd never been told he, his father loved him and there was this lack of very uh, you know an emotional connection one of my top values is connection mm -hmm. literally the top value is connection so I, I seek connection with the people who I love and the people who I work with. So the people in my inner circle, I need to be connected. And that I have a meaning for what connection means for me. Now, if you don't get it from people who are close to you, you're going to find it elsewhere. Mm. What I've learned that, you know, for example, if someone has a value of belonging and they don't get belonging at home, they'll go find it in a gang. Mm. Right? Or they'll go find surrogate fathers on the streets. Mm -hmm. or they'll start doing the worst case scenario things, right? So we can't take away the need that we have, but we can misplace where we get it from. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important point, that if our own families cannot provide that within the, the, the safety of our you know, homes, then invariably what will happen is sooner or later we will start looking at, uh, for it outside elsewhere. So we have to break that cycle, and that's the most important thing. What's done is done. What I had to do in terms of the coach that I had, I mean, I have a p image with me, you know, with, with my um, neglected child and my withdrawn teenager. <laughs> and I'm actually literally, I drew out, I had to do it as part of the exercise. It was over eight months. And me, as an adult, I'm actually, I have my hands over these two children. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, it's okay. I have you protected. So even though sometimes you'll show up as a withdrawn child or a neglected child, it's okay. That worked for you then. You don't have to worry about that right now because I'm a mature, wise adult. Mm -hmm. But not unless you go through that yourself, you won't be able to have the ability to do things that can help you move forward emotionally. And it's a tough thing because I've often cried. Going through the exercises myself because it brought up so many deep-seated emotional traps, you know, things that are trapped emotionally. Yeah. 
and 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 they've come up and they've surfaced. But I, I'd rather have it surface, you know, in a way that's controlled than it. it I'm in a relationship, you know, I'm with somebody, and, and it just shows up itself automatically. So I hope that's answered your question. I think what what we need to do is 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 meant that if it cannot be undone, and I know a, a particularly a brother actually who. Uh, what he did was he um, wasn't shown any emotion from his mother, for example. And what he described was that slowly what he did was he, uh, physically emotional actually, he, he used to first go and just touch her on her arm and then slowly keep his hand a little bit longer. And then slowly but surely he ended up massaging her feet. Mm. And for her it was a release. Mm. He thought that he was being neglected but she never knew how to give it because she never received it mm. and then it so happened that as she started to you know receive this massage she opened up and they both cried and they both hugged you see in in, in this it, there's a thing that there's no one to blame sometimes mm. you know and that's the most important thing sometimes it, we all are carrying i'm carrying my trauma maybe my father my mother's carrying their trauma as well correct and I think that's what needs to happen is with that we need to break that cycle. And sometimes it might be that I need to go to my mother and say, I love you. Mm. Even though she might find it really difficult for me to say that to her. Right. And and continue as much as I need to continue to make, you know, a difference. And perhaps sometime it comes back. But yeah, definitely break that cycle with with our own children. And, and it takes a lot of work. It definitely takes a lot of work. And, and I think that's why the first thing about, you know, you know, accepting is the the most important step because denial will always deny you any progress. You know, based on what you're sharing, I think you brought up a really excellent point. And it's in that with everything that I shared and even more, I've only scratched the surface, but I've had to go through a very long and arduous process of um, really understanding and accepting. And it's interesting that I go in that direction because one of the, f the first steps in, in your arc method is accept. Mm -hmm. And um, what I had to really understand and accept to be able to move on is to accept the fact that it wasn't my father's fault and that he was only doing what he knew, right? Based on the way that he understood and viewed the world. Right. He was only he and, and at some point, I think when you're a kid, you you look up to your parents and you look at them and you're like, wow, these are like the perfect human beings. And you have all these super high expectations. You think they're superheroes. And then as you grow and you start to uh, understand that everyone has faults and that everyone is going to go through their own unique life experience. And based on that, they will go through life and make certain judgments and have certain behaviors. Mm -hmm. And my father went through his own unique life experience and he is a flawed human being, just like I am a flawed human being. And just like we are all flawed human beings and there is no such thing as a perfect human being. And to understand that, I think, and then to finally accept and understand that your father is an adult and a flawed human being, just like you are, and you will have your own flaws. I think is what allowed me now to just love him for who he is and to appreciate him for who he is. And I think that is so important in that it's really important to highlight the fact that while I do share this and while I think many, many Mus young Muslims and even just saying men in general might feel this way, it's important that we understand the dynamics of the situation, but also, as you mentioned, accept them for what they are and love our parents for who they are. Right, despite the shortcomings. No, absolutely, I agree. And you know, um, you've reminded me of what I wanted to say actually before as well, when you, you said that you know, sometimes they provide uh, mm -hmm. bread and uh, you know, they, they've kind of in their own way done their thing. Mm -hmm. and you, you've heard of love languages, you know, and uh, one of those acts of service. Mm -hmm. And I actually reflected upon this when I first learned about the love languages and it was or well, my father actually was expressing love because he was a breadwinner. Mm. Go out. In fact, there was one point where he used to finish an eight-hour shift and do another four extra hours. And I'm thinking to myself, and he, and he used to work in, in, a, in an iron uh, foundry, you know, mm. really heavy work. 
and um, in that place is it the temperatures are really high so you sweat a lot and it's really strenuous work and i thought he was literally providing for us all and, and going through all of that to make some extra money to ensure that we had a comfortable life. Mm-hmm. That was his way of expressing love because he didn't have any other way of expressing it. Mm-hmm. That's how I framed it. And I think it's so important what you're doing is you're framing it. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to frame it in a way to understand it from their perspective, mm-hmm. given that they had circumstances that we will never understand, you know, yeah. maybe moving from a different country or being estranged from their family members, maybe parents even, and them carrying that emotional trauma of not being in their homeland, not having their access to their auntie or uncle or or whoever they looked up to when they was a child. And all of a sudden now they've been thrust into this huge responsibility. So how do they balance that? Well, like going back to the point, if you haven't been nurtured that way and been, you know, your your hand hasn't been held and you haven't been shown, what it, it should look like then you're going to just navigate and try to find your own way aren't you really mm-hmm. you know some of it could be spot on and some of it could be a little bit off you know so i i found brother abby is 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 my outlet has has now been um with men so uh yesterday i was on a walk with with a, a men a men's group and you know uh, i got a text this morning and he said uh, that was such a lovely walk yesterday i didn't realize how i could just be myself in the open air with other men Mm. so uh this brother you know he's been through a lot lately and he didn't have the outlet of expressing what he's feeling with anyone you know he he can't express with children because they have their own things you know Um, maturity is not there perhaps but with, with me and the other men that were there, he was very open. And I've seen, you know, examples of, of men literally breaking down and crying because it's the first time they've ever had that safe space to be able to be themselves and not feel that they're going to be blamed for being emotional, for even crying, for even saying, you know what, I just, I cannot understand why what 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 this is all about i can't understand why things are the way they are and why i've been through what i've been through so it's a very non-judgmental space come as you are mm. yeah there's a brother actually has has a, a residential and it, 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 it's c-a-y-a come as you are and it's just coincidental i've come up with that but literally he has done it maybe it's in my subconscious but men come as you are no judgment be who you are however you want to be and let's have this space and there's no agenda. How important is it for men to have, you know, a tribe of men that they can connect with and spend time with? Because that's something actually that I've been very blessed to have in my life. Uh, growing up here, uh, my parents put me in uh, a Muslim school, a Muslim school from a young age. So alhamdulillah, I have a circle of, of brothers and we are all Muslims. And so we relate on that deeper level as, as well. And I truly think that as deep as you can go with, you know, other friends that are from different walks of life and different religions, mm-hmm. I truly can connect with my Muslim friends in a different level because they understand the values that I have in my life mm-hmm. and who I am at a deeper level. And we're essentially a band of brothers. And, you know, we're many young men at this point who, you know, take some time, whether it's every week or every month to get together and just spend some time together and really just let loose. And I tell my wife as well, cause my wife knows this. She knows that, you know, sometimes if I'm, if I'm spending, you know, as much as I love spending time with her, if it's, if it's been like two, three weeks and it's just been all my time with her, I'll, I, I tell her, I'm like, listen, I, I need to go around some testosterone for a bit. I need to let it out and then I'll be back, you know? <laughs> so she knows that she, she gives me my time to do that. But how important do you feel like that is for men to have that support system and have another type of men that they can actually connect with and, and, and be around. Is that important? It's very important. You know, you've heard of the, um, you know, being codependent, mm. dependent and being interdependent mm. we, as couples need to be interdependent. Mm-hmm. So we need to come together and we also need to have our own space as well. Yeah. I'm a firm believer of that. And we have different energies, right? And we, we, we just have those different needs and it's really important. And I think there's uh, there's a way that we can connect with the same gender that we can't connect with the opposite gender in mm-hmm. that sense. Correct. Uh, and and I, and I, and I th- it has to be something that we do regularly and it has to be done 
uh, in a way that you you do it with people who you identify with and i think that's the thing that i got when you when you explaining that you, they're friends from school so the identity rallies you around okay uh, and that becomes your community of uh you know uh, choice mm -hmm. right you choose to be with them and that gives you a sense of belonging as well and then when you have those two factors the identity and the belonging then you become yourself then you become and i think that's so important because the walls come down right you have this safe space and if you need to say something you're more willing to say it right mm -hmm. like so yesterday a couple of, a couple of men just said what they felt like and 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 it was an awesome space to kind of hold that for them because they're struggling right we hold that space for that person because we know we need to pull this person through and, and acknowledge what they're sharing and also say it's okay brother we've got your back mm. right and and it's, it's it's a beautiful space to have it's, it's a beautiful i think experience to have as well you know with with, with other men i think it's integral to be honest with you mm. i completely agree and in the same vein i i want to um ask you a question because one problem that I'm seeing that is very prevalent in, in young men of my age that are in, you know, in a hundred, I'm 20 years old right now. And I would say young men that are, you know, in their twenties and getting close to 30, I'm almost there, but I'm not there yet guys. So give me, give me two more years. I'll get there. <laughs> I'm enjoying my twenties while I can handle that. Um, but for young men my age, one, one common problem that I see that is not very often talked about. And that is, I truly believe almost universal is um, the problem with the skewed perception of the opposite sex and in the same vein, addiction to things like pornography. Mm. And I wanted to bring that up with you a bit to know, is that related to what we're discussing here? Which is the fact that we are growing up as young men without necessarily being taught how to be a man and we are living in a society where women are over sexualized constantly mm -hmm. and you know it's it's kind of like you have these images flashing before you you have to be purposeful mm -hmm. in trying to avoid the over sexualization of women mm -hmm. even on social media right and so or, or actually very much on social media so how do you navigate that and is this related to what we're talking about which is you know this whole phenomenon of not being taught how to be a man. You know, uh, Abi, um, I've been studying and researching the high-value Muslim one with uh, a friend of mine for the last three or four months. Mm -hmm. And we asked several people to kind of feed into that conversation. And we, you know, there's a, there's this thing about the alpha male, you know, the mm -hmm. sigma male, and there's a high-value man. And uh, have, having a conversation with his brother, and we said, look, um, you know, Muslims need to be high value. Well, we are high value, aren't we? But, oh, we're not really, because there are a few things that need sorting out, right? So, for example, the over, um, yeah, pornography and the, the way we see women, perhaps, and the way we treat women as well, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, so we came up with this thing, with, what, what is a high value man? And we came up with 11 principles. And one of the things is that the individual has to be a man of faith. Mm has to be a man of faith but what does a man of faith mean now if he hasn't been taught or if he's not seen it modeled for him why is he going to follow so our belief is this that we need to have more adult muslim men modeling the behavior they expect the younger generation to have and that's the issue so we believe right now there's a vacuum in that respect and that's why we're on this 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 quest to get as much feedback as we can to speak about it as well so it becomes normalized so what happens is people say oh they're the principles of a high value muslim man i'm actually really poor in two three four and five i need to sort myself out or even our sisters will look at the high value muslim man and make a judgment on men and say this guy is so far away maybe he's not for me right at the moment there's no real kind of criteria that makes a muslim man a high value man not that i know of mm. right there's no standard that's set yet to say this is the you know the standard you should be at mm. so the quest is to create some standard to say here's the benchmark guys you need to be working towards this 
without that there's a huge vacuum and everybody's working out what it is or what it isn't and what they can do what they don't want to do and, and so on and so forth so yes the temptations are there and it's very difficult for the youth especially if they're kind of trying to save up for for a marriage you know buy a house or get a degree or save x amount of money and then they're going to get married it's risky hmm. very risky it is and um I want to ask you one more question or, or let me bring up another topic that I wanted to touch upon. Um, you know, how do we actually, for someone listening to this, what is the best way for men to prepare themselves for marriage, right? And even for, for the women that are maybe listening to this as well, what should they be on the lookout for? What are some things that they should be looking out for in a partner? Okay, so I, I have the whole arc thing is built around a, a full model, actually. Mm-hmm. So it starts always starts off with you know when you're going to accept your flaws you got, you're gonna have to know who you are first so you have to go back to a point where you identify your core values mm-hmm. you have to you have to know deep down what really resonates with you once you identify your core values you map those values across different aspects of your life so are you living these values in your life so we have the five f's right so it's uh, family faith fun fitness and finances right mm. how does how do my values actually how are they visible in these areas because when i'm living my values i will feel more fulfilled right mm-hmm. yeah so the idea is once you do a mapping you can see okay i've got two or three areas here that need working so i i i, I deliberately start to work on ensuring that i am living my values and then you know you do the work you start doing the work to build yourself up to ensure that you know your 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 values driven uh you look at all the different aspects of these values that really mean uh, a lot to you for example for me it's integrity i've got to be a man of integrity mm-hmm. if i expect somebody authentic right i can't be someone who's inauthentic and expect somebody to be really you know transparent and honest and all that kind of thing so i've got to really start working on myself and then once you've done that work yourself there's a, there's a trick now. How do you get to know someone and ensure that they are a good mesh for you, that they're a good match for you? And this is where the work is. But the first part is you doing the work on yourself, accepting and, and you know raising your energy. Now you have to ask questions from that person based upon your values, but not only that, because each one of us will give a different definition to our values. So, for example, if I asked you, uh, Abby, how would you describe freedom? What does freedom mean to you? Mm. That's a really deep question. Give me a minute to think about it, if that's okay. Of course. I believe freedom what it means to me is the ability to act out what you think so to act out your thoughts so for example if i were to think to myself that i want to be a better muslim and maybe in that same vein that means i want to spend more time reading quran every day Mm -hmm. then it's my ability to actually follow through on that so that ability to control the direction of my life based on where I actually want it to go. Mm. You know, so that ability to influence myself in the ways that I want to. And mm. so to live my life in a way that aligns with my body and my actions and my soul aligns with my thoughts as well. Mm. So what if somebody came along, a woman and said, my definition of freedom actually is to live in the city of London right, to be close to where I work and earn a hundred thousand pounds or dollars a year. Mm-hmm. See, there's a difference now. Correct. Same word. Mm-hmm. But the way you see freedom, the way I see freedom are two different things. And that's where we're missing the trick. We haven't defined our own values clear enough to be able to know what types of questions to ask. So you would ask, is that you know how do you spend your free time she might say well i'm always in the city networking with these dudes right you're thinking oh my god i my free time is with the quran 
So straight away, you know, oh, right, this, there's a disconnect here. And that's the key. We, we, we don't do the work, inner work, to know ourselves first and how we define these values in our life to ask the questions. And I didn't ask you a question. This is how do you spend your free time? Mm. I didn't ask you, is your value freedom? Yeah. Because if you said yes, then I didn't know how to ask the question. I say, oh, yes, brilliant. She values freedom as well. Mm. But how you define it and how I define it are two different things. That's correct. So that's the key. So that the key, the, the key is to 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 ensure that you know we we know ourselves, and we know how to ask the right questions to elicit the answers that we need. Mm. And that means we have to take the time and not get emotionally involved with someone because this is a lifetime thing now potentially, right? We mm. want to live with someone for a lifetime. So imagine someone pushing you towards that way. So they're pulling you towards a city, and you're saying, "No, I want to go to the." The, the the rural side of things. I want to relax a bit more. I, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to choose my life, right? Yeah. Around the Quran on my prayers. But you say, no, no, no. I want to go towards a city and get that freedom by earning lots of money and being financially free. Mm. You see, I can, it can be a bit of a conundrum. Correct. Definitely. Definitely. And I, as you mentioned, that's why you know it is important to have those conversations beforehand. And most importantly, even... During the relationship, I think communication is so important. And I'll be completely honest here in that I'm, you know, I'm someone who says that and I truly do believe in it. And I'm in a relationship and I deeply love my wife, alhamdulillah, and, and we are in a very happy relationship. Alhamdulillah, I'm very glad to say that. I'm very grateful to be able to say that. Very wonderful. At the same time, when it comes to communication, I feel like we're not even... 50% to where we could be potentially. And I think that this is something that we are always working on because just to set expectations here for, for my young guys who, 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 you know, are looking to get married as I agree with everything you're saying, 100% at the same time, it's important for young guys to understand that communication is a skill and it needs to be learned. It is not something that you decide overnight. I want to communicate more. And then all of a sudden you and your spouse are now on this 100% communication level and, you know, you're completely open and, and this is going, you know, you can, you're able to have all the, all the conversations extremely well. It is a skill that you're going to have to learn. And I'm saying that we're like at 50% because I know how far we could go and I know the potential and there's always room for growth and we could get there and we're on our way there. Alhamdulillah. And we're very happy together. But I also know that we're not 100% there yet. And because we've only been together for um, now married for almost two years, okay. I, we're still you know, in the first few years of marriage. And I think those are the years where you're learning how to communicate with your spouse because every single person has a different way of communicating. Right. And we're, I can see increasingly with every passing month that we are getting better at understanding each other and communicating with each other and being more patient mm. with each other and tolerating each other. Uh, and, and I'm very, very happy to see that because it is, it is a progression. It is not something that happens overnight. And I wanted to highlight that. It needs work. Absolutely. Yeah. Correct. Um, it, there's, there's a saying that, you know, uh, no great relationships actually uh, are there without work. Mm -hmm. Every relationship needs work. And I came across something recently that says, every day has to be work mm -hmm. so, so don't kind of leave it every month or, or your birthday every day is a new day and every day has to be work in a relationship mm -hmm. you got you got to keep the curiosity there and that's the key word for me keep the curiosity there and it's the way you ask questions to go into a conversation because you want to you're curious about what this person thinks even about the weather even about trees even about the environment the ecosystem or whatever your interest is collectively you know keep the curiosity alive yeah 100 100 percent, brother this was such an honor and a pleasure to have you i honestly i think we could probably sit down and have uh, a three-hour conversation if we wanted to very easily because this is such a beautiful topic to have and i think it's such a great conversation to hold there's so much that you know myself i'm learning from this and so much that people who listen to this will learn from it i want to know and i hate to cut this short but um I want to respect your time as well. Where can people go if they want to, you know, continue to learn more about these topics and learn from you and even maybe be part of what it is that you're working on? Can you share with us 
where should people go? What should they sign up to? Please go ahead and share. Yeah, exactly. How about that? So I'm, I'm on a couple of platforms. So I'm on Facebook as a uh, Tafazal, so my first name, uh, one, the, the, the number one. Uh, you can connect, me on, connect with me on there. On Instagram, I'm 50 dot plus because I'm just over 50, mashallah. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> mashallah. And um, I'm also on Clubhouse. So I've recently joined Clubhouse and we have a club called Muslim Love. So mm -hmm. two words, Muslim Love. So if you join the club, we, we have a weekly thing and we'll be having topics such as this of, you know, helping couples to have uh, enhanced connection and, and lots of different topics, you know, for, for singles as well. Um, if anybody really wants to do some work with me, uh, whether, you know, you're looking for, um, you know, doing some self-work to get yourself ready for uh, marriage, then the I have a 15-minute uh, discovery call for, for everyone. And that's going to be on bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash the Muslim coach. Okay. And it, capital T, capital M, capital C, the Muslim coach. And yeah, that's pretty much so. Yeah, there's Clubhouse, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, if you want to book a place, then it's the Muslim coach, bit.ly dot the Muslim. There you go. Thank you so much. Perfect. My pleasure. So we're gonna include we're gonna make sure to include those links in, in the episode notes or description if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify. Check the episode notes and you're sure to see some of these links pop up, inshallah. So you can go and navigate there. And um I do encourage you guys, if you enjoyed this conversation, if you really did feel like you benefited from it. Uh, Brother Tafazal is someone that I've encountered um, only a few months ago. I think we we met, and I don't know, I don't remember if it was from our Facebook group or Facebook profile, but I know it was on Facebook. Uh, and mashallah, he took he took a liking to what we were doing with the Merprinter. And then I, I saw him commenting and interacting, and I was interacting with him. And then I started, you know, I'm like, oh, mashallah, who's this guy who's, uh, you know, complimenting what we're doing that's really awesome i was love to, i always love to know uh who we have in our group so i go and i check your profile and i check this profile and i'm like wow this person's you know working with muslim men to help them you know achieve their highest potential and now helping them you know prepare themselves for relationships and i just thought this was such a refreshing sight to see because as i mentioned earlier in this episode i've went through my own journey of having to navigate how to be a man and i've had to look up to most of the time non-Muslims for this. Mm. And to be able to see a Muslim man that mashallah takes care of himself, you look great, mashallah, you look like you're 20 to be honest with you. And you know, you have the right attitude, you have the right personality, and you have this amazing positivity, mashallah, that that you bring with you to come here and, and to do this and to bring this just was absolutely refreshing. And so um I'm I'm so honored that you you we're willing to join me back in this episode, honestly. And I'm not just saying that. It's not just fluff words. It's not just, you know, me trying to be nice and mujamalat, as they say in Arabic. I truly, truly, really appreciate you, brother. Extremely no, no, appreciate no, no. you, honestly. I, I feel honest. Anytime, brother, you know, we can even do it on, on, a, on a private level as well. Anytime. 100%. I mean, it comes from um, a good place. I yeah. really have a passion for this work. I really want, uh, as an ummah, to be successful. I know, and I can feel that. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you success on this mission so that we are able to be the change that we want to see in the world, inshallah. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tafasal. This was an absolute pleasure. I loved every minute of it, and hopefully we'll see you again on the podcast. Thank you so much.